Hey, Popcorn Talk fans, today we talk about and dissect whether or not Connor actually has a penis and other such major issues <laughs> as we dissect a pop star never stop, never stopping on Anatomy of Movie. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk, we talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We had to open it with something irreverent, uh, as we do pop star, <laughs> the Lonely Island movie. That's right. We're very humble. We have Dimitri hum- Panos, the most humble man alive. Uh, thank you. Uh, hello, movie fans. How are you? Good seeing you again. We have uh, a returner, Stephanie Wanger. Uh, not not a regular, but always a fun time when she's around. Yeah, thank you. So glad to be here. And of course, Marissa Serafini. I'm here again. That's right. <laughs> and the one person you guys kind of know him, uh, Jeff Graham. He is the person who, of all people, should have been at this panel, but he is not. So, you know what, Jeff Graham? Shame on you. Boy, <laughs> for you, buddy. Uh, instead, you get Phil Svitek. <laughs> Thanks, Zach, for killing the music on that one. Uh, and, of course, we have uh, that Zach Wilson in the booth engineering for us today. All right. Let's start with overall impressions uh, for this movie. But also, real quick, uh, as you guys know, Anatomy of a Movie, we are very spoiler-filled. So if you haven't seen this movie, the good news is yeah, this one, you can't get spoiled too much. <laughs> uh, on the other side, uh, feel free to download our rundown. It's in the description, so that way you can always kind of follow along with us as as we talk about the movie. Um, let's start with you, Dimitri. Overall thoughts for Popstar? You know, I felt this movie, um, I think it is to pop music what This Is Spinal Tap did to metal rock and roll music. Uh, many years later, lots of generational gap. Um, I found this movie to be highly enjoyable. Uh, Adam Schamberg and his team have, you know, you can tell they have an affinity towards towards pop music. And it really showed in this movie. Um, I felt that it was a, a great mockumentary satire uh, mockumentary. Never overstated its welcome, which is great for this type of a movie. I found it very funny. One of the funnier movies I've seen this summer. Uh, and I think all in all, I think it works. Absolutely, Stephanie. I liked it more than I thought I was going to. I'm kind of picky about my comedies, and sometimes I think that they take the easy route and kind of go for cheap humor, and this really felt like it was of the moment and really funny, and I love everything pop culture, and it was basically a giant satire of that, so I really enjoyed it. There you go. I went into this film with low expectations, and I came out laughing, so uh, it looked funny just from the trailers, and you know... Whenever you have like fun songs and then they're so big, you can easily make fun of them. That's always fun to watch. Uh, I liked the cameos, and it was it was a short movie, and it was just short enough to enjoy. It wasn't long. It wasn't overextended. It was just a fun, ridiculous movie, and that's exactly what I got out of it. Yeah, I mean, aside from I, you know, it's one of the tougher things. Like, how do you change this type of uh, mockumentary type of format um, for music? Music, um, it's always going to be the same type of format. But I thought they did really well within that uh, rigid structure. I thought it was absolutely hysterical, and it takes some sort of demented genius to be able to take like uh, the finest girl and what the U.S. did with Bin Laden and say, "Here is the concept of a great song." And just run with it. Um, I, I I loved, 
I loved all the songs. I thought they were great and brilliant, um, and it's, it's just genius. So I, I applaud them for what they did, and, and it really comes from a place of love, and I thought everyone involved, from all the cameos, they really pulled in a lot of favors, but at the same time, I think a lot of the people just want to be a part of this movie. Um, so I, I thought they they nailed it. Yeah, yeah I kudos mean... Kudos to them. Almost to the point, they were almost too loving of their subject matter. Almost to the point, like, I, you know, it would have been... You, we were talking before the show started about, you know, uh, Adam Sandberg's Connor... Andy. You know, Andy, I'm sorry, was a dick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, he wasn't dicky enough. Like, he, he there, there wasn't a time where he pulled the Justin Bieber, I'm going off social media, I don't want you, I don't want to be in the limelight, or he wasn't throwing eggs at people's houses and things like that. I always wanted it to go that far. And again, I, I'm holding this up to Spinal Tap because there really aren't that many movies that are like Popstar, which is holding a mirror up to this pop star culture uh, that we have going on right now. Still found it to be extremely funny. I, I did laugh a lot, and I'm wondering... 10, 20 years from now, we can, you know, people will look at this and go, wow, they really nailed it. Um, they got it right. Well, let's talk about it. So, you know, you mentioned Justin Bieber. This was based on the documentary with Bieber, and it was based off of also One Direction, both movies that I did not see. I saw both of them, so I am fully aware of, yeah, both these films. And you, you do get a sense of that when you're watching it. And uh, But I to go back to what you were saying with Andy, uh, I think that part of the reason the movie worked is that he's likable. If you had a guy who it was kind of a nightmare to watch for an hour and a half, you would want to leave that theater. You would just be like, this is so annoying. Where Andy, even through being like, clearly he wants fame, and that's a lot of what you see with Bieber, like he still is this likable guy underneath it all, and you know him from Saturday Night Live, and all of that kind of comes through in the film. Yeah, yeah. My, 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 dis- my, my thing about that is unlikable can be equally as funny and uncomfortable. And, and, you know, and that's why I thought, if you're going to go this route, it was almost, almost too much love. I get it, and they, they obviously took very much time and detail in doing that, but unlikable can be very funny as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of agree with that. I, I like the fact that we started this film with his character already on top, and that was his establishment, that he was already successful, fun, and ridiculous to a certain extent. And then we slowly learned that he came from a more humble background. <laughs> and so that allowed the audience, like, hey, he was a nice guy. He came from, like, nothing. He started off with nothing. So, like, he has the potential to be a better person. And I think that helped with his character. Well, they also started out um, in Bieber's documentary. He's, like, playing the drums at three or four years old. And you Mm -hmm. see him, like, baby Connor playing the drums. So there there were definitely (laughs) things, if you saw those documentaries, that pulled out, too. Give us a quick recap of... um of the Bieber documentary, just just so we have a, a base so, of what we're working with. Sure, sure. I think there have actually been two Bieber documentaries, but I only saw the first one, um, and I, it was about his rise to fame, essentially starting in Canada and then taking you through, I believe, performing at Madison Square Garden mm-hmm. um, and his run through to kind of having his own arena and tour from like performing on the streets of Canada. Got it. Yeah. Um, and and so it's what age does it end at that one? Um, I think he's 17, 18, Got that type. Okay. Yeah, it's been a while, but 17, 18. So obviously, the, in, in terms of Connor, he's obviously still very much younger, because then yeah. Connor continues past that age yeah. very much so. And, and let's face it, too, these types of pop documentaries, they're puff pieces. 
to try to, you know, make these people look like they're better citizens than, than they can be in real life. You know, we've had the One Direction. Uh, and again, I'm not slandering their character. Bieber puts himself out there. He is what it is. You know, One Direction, again, I'm not slamming these people, but there's been the One Direction. There's a Katy Perry. Uh, Beyonce had something on, on HBO not too, too long ago. Like, these are seen, like seemingly almost like the norm. Like, these pop bands have to have some semblance. Michael Jackson did one, too. Yeah. Katy Perry had yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then that's um, Andy kind of talks about that was, uh, you know, they were because of all these documentaries as they were coming to rise. This is a concept that they they were toying around for almost 10 years and then eventually led to, you know, let's talk with Judd about kind of, you know, mocking this up and and doing our own version of it based off everything that's going on. So you're, you're correct in that sense. You know, we forgot Miley Cyrus was another one as well that, you know, so these making fun of that uh, outside of just making fun of, you know, to me it was because I haven't watched any of those documentaries. I don't even really listen to that kind of music other than the fact I know it exists. I've heard the songs playing somewhere in the background. Um, and because I do listen to the Howard Stern show, there's always a rundown of the top five Billboard hits of songs that I don't hear, and that's the only place I've heard them, so at least I can get the reference there. But this is also a satire on pop culture of today. So um, as much as making fun of the songs, uh, I, I just looked at it as pure out mockumentary satire of the rise, fall, and re-rise of Connor. Yeah, I think Andy Sandberg on... Uh a, a late show, I want to say it was, uh, talked about that it wasn't just about Bieber, that it's definitely of the whole pop culture and the social media age that we live in and that everything has to be documented like on our own social media channels. It's not good enough to like have a private life. Yeah, and I liked how they used that, and you know, Snapchat and Twitter, mm-hmm. and uh, to just to build his fans, just how crazy people can be mm-hmm. in today's society and how fast people can blow up because of social media. Yeah. Yeah, what did you, what did you guys um, in terms of the core message or you know scene or anything like that? Like, what did you guys gravitate to most out of this? Because there's so much to you know be able to pick from. So I'm I'm kind of curious as to you know what what stood out for you the most. I like the fact that he was always surrounded by you know his friends and coworkers and whatnot. Despite everything that happened, he mm. you can always tell that there were he had loyal friends and who were just there going through all the triumphs and tribulations of his. Um, I like the fact that he was constantly surrounded up until, you know, the point where he was by himself in his Sacramento house or wherever he went back to. <laughs> Sacramento. <laughs> but, but the, like, he had people to go through this whole journey with yeah. rather than on his own. I really liked that um, it was, you kind of saw his rise and then fall, obviously. And um, I think there were all these kind of moments that if you follow pop culture, you could point out and be like, oh, that is definitely in reference to this. And it was kind of fun Easter eggs all through the movie to figure out who who they were referring to, essentially, because a lot of it was references in the last five years to things that have happened. Yeah, for me, it was just, it was strictly the satire of it all. You know, making the fun of this pop culture. Not not so much, not pop culture, pop music. It's, it's main, it's, you know, pop culture is a big part of pop music, but it was really, to me, it was pointed about pop music, its popularity, uh, and how silly it can be uh, when you break it down. And I loved the fact that they did get so many cameos on board 
to come because they made this a mockumentary that was that's rooted in reality. You know, there are all of these. There's there there was a bunch of pop stars in this movie that were having fun with this as well. And you sort of, I actually sort of kind of gained a new respect for some of these people because they get it. They get why this is funny. There's you know, self aware. This self aware. Yeah. So I, it, I, for for me, it was the satire. And that comedy that that, that made yeah, this movie, and I like funny. the shift in the business. You know, um, at its core, there, there was that side of it that uh, that the business is changing, and you know, as silly as this is, everyone's looking for that answer of how to, you know, how to stay relevant and, and so forth. And, and in some ways, perhaps not, you lose their humanity. Um, but again, just the, the silliness of it all. Uh, you know, initially in, in the movie. It starts off with Aquaspin, right? And you know, <laughs> because you, again, you, you you try to stand out in some sort of different way. You try to take a chance. You try to be different because you just almost have to be the the ultra traditional model does not work. And then rather than be applauded for, which it's a very fifty fifty shot, something can work or something doesn't. You just have to believe that it does. But in this case, it doesn't. As <laughs> but, but I, I like the whole double edged yeah. sword. The the, the whole Aquaspin thing. Because in order for it to short out an entire like country, that means people buy it. That's a lot of people having their aqua spin, and they're all using it at the same time. Like that to me was the irony of it all. It's like, and then he all of a sudden becomes the bad guy for it. Well, you bought it. Yeah, I, I like the the idea, just the idea of the aqua spin because it was. You know, we're always saying that in today's society, technology is always advancing. Yeah. And the fact that they actually use everyday appliances, <laughs> and that was their biggest technological advance, just putting music with their everyday appliances. I thought that was funny just for the idea of yeah. that's how their technology advanced, no, is music. I agree with you. Um, it was funny. I was with a friend, though, and she was talking about uh, she does something else in the industry, and she goes... It's, it shows how little music sales means to these people, though, just because he's giving his music for free on these, like, appliances that are in people's homes. It's all about touring. And I was like, that's a whole other layer to this that you don't even think about. It, it is talking about that business model and how it's so changing for artists. It used to be all about album sales, and now it's about touring, what have you. But I did wonder if this movie, and I didn't get an... There's no way to get an answer to this. Maybe tweet at us or what have you. But if... um. If uh, outside the industry, this movie played as well as it did. Like, I saw it with two friends who are in the industry. and no, Yeah, I mean, yeah. in general, the movie just didn't, right? We'll talk about box office, but it just it just tanked, yeah. you know, yeah. unfortunately. Um, but see, I, and I'm taking the, the other thing that, that need be said about this whole Aquaspin thing, though, that, 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 again, I took this as being a very pointed satire to when you two tried to release their song. Well, they released an album on iTunes. Yeah, they did. And yeah. people got pissed off because this landed on their iTunes. Like, it was a free album, and people could have deleted it, but people got so pissed off at that. And that, again, to me, this whole Aquaspin, not only was it because we've got a silly sponsor because now everything needs to be sponsored like a NASCAR race, uh, you know, people are pissed off that it's on the thing, but it's like you bought it where people didn't buy the U2 thing. It just showed up. It just showed up. And they had the option that you could listen to it or try to delete showed it. Showed up in my I, iTunes. I, yeah, I, showed up in everybody's. I couldn't find this, but was Aquaspin a sponsor of the movie? 
I don't think there's such things. I don't, think, there, I don't think there is. I think it seems like a real thing. It, it looked like a real thing. But I think they just couldn't it's use believable. whirlpool. It's believable. Oh. Okay. I, yeah, I think it's that like people already had like the idea was that people already had Aquaspin like ovens and and like equipment in their homes, and then the music would like stream into the like ovens that the oven would play the music. I think it's not so much that they bought the album; it's that they like. That it was streaming from these devices. Yeah, I, I think it's like maybe Aquaspin was their version of LG, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Pretty yeah, much. Exactly. Absolutely. So, so you know, and, and, and in that regard, it, it transcended because I, I do think from a tech standpoint, um, we put so much effort and into like the dumbest of things technology wise when we could be, <laughs> we could be saving lives. Yeah. <laughs> but we aren't. Um, <laughs> Uh, let's see. Um, you know, one of the, one of the aspects, right, that I think worked well was the relationship. I, I thought they set up the Style Boys really well, yes. and they kept hitting on that multiple times. And, and, and no point did it become um, too much, at least for me, of like, okay, they got to get back together. That you know, and that's what's going to save this. I thought it progressed quite naturally in that respect. But um, what did you guys think of the the, the Style Boys? I mean, I loved it. It's, it's so fun and just, like, silly. But I have to say that I'm not going to spoil the end of the movie, but I don't think it comes as a shock to anyone. Like, did it? was it surprising to anyone at this table? No, I no. knew as soon as they broke up that this was going to be the journey back to them getting back right. together. Yeah. I and mean, kind of getting yeah. back to his humble roots right. in, yeah. in that way. I like the fact that, you know, they were making fun of, you know, Beastie Boys was definitely a big inspiration. Absolutely. But then even their wardrobe changes throughout and how they <laughs> evolved and grew up essentially kind of together that, you know, they kind of turned from... Style, what are the style, style boys. boys to like boys to men? <laughs> you know, right. you, you know they grew up even with their wardrobes. Like they they were casual hoodies and jeans to like suits and whatnot. So. And, but and when you think of it though, whether it's pop music, rock music, or whatnot, usually the big bucks again will start rolling in. Like you have a group that were very popular at the time. Group said, you know, group breaks up. People go off on their own, and then that simmers down. Then said old original group gets back together again, and they're back in the limelight. You know, it happened with the Eagles. It's happened with the Police. It's happened with many rock groups. That you know, when you want to, you know, hey, I need a little, I, I need some more money. Well, <laughs> it's, happen- more it's happening now. I yeah. mean, Backstreet Boys got back together, and we had uh, uh, Dream No O Town uh, O Town back together, <laughs> yeah. and like even big tours. All a lot Spice of the nineties kids on the block are well, back they together. Never broke so up. like, they, they well, but you know, like pop groups are coming back together and yeah. touring again, Absolutely. and I think that was definitely a testament to that too. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. The only ones uh, I don't see coming back anytime soon might be in sync. No. Well, I mean, to talk about Justin Timberlake, who makes an amazing cameo yeah. in this movie, like, he's somebody who's obviously understands, is very self-aware, and is friends with the Lonely Island guys, and I thought he did a great job in his cameo, and you knew he was going to be in this movie, but to put him in the way they did, I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. I, I love them as the chef of trying to cut the carrots <laughs> off. <laughs> soft. But then, you know, the the whole Katy Perry, because I think it will right, it was a Katy Perry reference to the shark from the mm-hmm. Super Bowl. Right. Um, guys, I was the shark. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I thought that worked really, really well. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, I, and then we had his fun singing too. So. Yeah, and he sang so well, and it's like he. And I think I've heard an interview with Andy Samberg where he talks about. Um, that Justin can obviously sing much better than he can. So to have this guy who can like out sing Connor in the end in the shark outfit was so random but so fun <laughs> and so ironic. <laughs> yeah. Too, so. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, w- one of my f- more favorite bits was uh, CMZ. <laughs> Amazing. Oh yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god. My theater was like cracking up every time CMZ came on screen. Yeah. Because you know I. I I applaud what TMZ's kind of done. I think they, in terms of their production value and how easy it is to make that show, I think they've they've done brilliantly and and, and whatnot. But again, I they, I don't know how self aware they are or whatnot. But it was just, to me it was funny with the cups and everything. The cups, the laughing, Will Arnett. Uh, yeah. Again, we just talked about him in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I mean, he was great. And I see when he comes around and he's drinking from everybody's cup and straw. I mean, it was again. That is great parody and satire of of the time. Uh, I thought it was, it was brilliant. That was that was a punch that landed right in the nose. Yeah. <laughs> I would have loved if they threw in like the TMZ tour bus somehow, like having Connor <laughs> encounter the TMZ tour bus. That was like the one moment where it's just like this seems like something you could have done maybe in the sequel. It should have been. It should have been in the uh, at the, at the um, yeah. proposal. Yeah, right? Exactly. CMZ's like, covering it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I did like um, they, they were also news agnostic because they had yeah. extra. Yeah. They had E. They, had, yeah. they didn't have TMZ, but they had CMZ. Yeah. Um, who else did they? They didn't have access, I don't think, or ET. No. no. Um, but they they try to incorporate as many as possible. Yeah. This movie was produced by Universal, though, right? So they had access to E and. I mean, Access Hollywood would be they, that. They should have had yeah. access and to that. They yeah. also had, you know, Jimmy Fallon on, on this yeah. as so well. They so. definitely used their mm-hmm. connections, their company, which makes perfect sense. You're Why not going to promote another entertainment news. Mm-hmm. Why was Jimmy's finger? Oh, because he I think that, his, that was the old taping. You're yeah, like that back was his when, accident that yeah. he had uh, earlier this year. Yeah, he yeah. did something with his wedding ring, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that, so that was a legit injury of his yeah. during taping. <laughs> Interesting. Good to know. Um, let's Sarah Silverman as the publicist. Yeah. Uh, you know what? She she was funny because I feel like a lot of her things. I mean, I like her every once in a while because I feel like she can be over the top. But that's you know her personality. That's what she does. But I think her character in this was like just enough to make me laugh. I agree. I also felt like she was the only person who had any semblance of truth with Connor. Like she was able to tell him a little bit no I don't think she was fully saying no to him but it said some no like he had so many yes men around him it was like throwing a basketball that was nowhere near <laughs> and you know and she was able to actually be like no Connor you're you're not but, doing but anything she, but she she also gave us the reason why you know like because her line is uh, paraphrasing you know, I don't listen to this music, but apparently it makes a lot of people a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah. like, okay, so, she, you know, she wasn't going to push too hard yeah. to stop it. And, yeah, when things were going a little bit off track, that's when she had a little bit more leeway to be like, all right, enough with this crap because it's clearly not working. Yeah. yeah. There was a vested interest in there to now make more money. Yeah, and publicists can be such an easy target to make fun of. And I think Sarah Silverman played it right. Again, I have to go back to Fran Drescher as the publicist in This Is Spinal Tap. A breakthrough, like that was a breakout role for her. She was hysterical. And this role, you know, you can see... 
you can see that through line as to Sarah Silverman playing the publicist here and having a line like, I don't really listen to this music all that much, but it makes a lot of money for people. <laughs> you know, and you could see a publicist saying that. And at the same time, uh, I, I felt, yeah, I thought Sarah Silverman was, was really good in this role. She yeah, was she very was just funny. Enough. Very funny. I, my, she didn't play a caricature. Like, Fran Dresser's, Fran Dresser's was a little bit more caricature of the publicist of the time. But I thought Fran, uh, I actually thought Silverman did a really good job. Yeah, and you can definitely hear her yeah. comedy of her own Absolutely. self in that, like, Absolutely. clinical depression. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know? Like, <laughs> that's definitely her. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was a great goal. I wanted to be like air. You know? <laughs> Everywhere. <laughs> uh, that was absolutely genius. Um, what what cameos did you guys like most? I mean, obviously, the, the biggest biggest one you could say is Seal. Seal, I, I loved Pink because, I mean, she, she was big in, or she just had a big hit song for Alice in Wonder, or Through the Looking Glass and whatnot. But I, I think Pink is just an awesome artist in and of herself. And then the fact that she just showed up randomly in Equal Rights music video, I'm like, what are you doing here, Pink? But you're cool, so I'll take it. But what's great about that is, like, the final shot of that video, she she has a look on her face like, what the hell am I doing here? Like, what am I, do- like, what? What are you talking about? It's like it just dawned on her. What the lyrics of the song were, <laughs> and that to me was the punctuation it's point like, of that video. You're on a unicorn. <laughs> Did you not figure that out yet? <laughs> I also thought Adam Levine was literally the most random thing you could possibly do with a hologram of him. Because why is he a hologram? He's still alive. Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then I also really enjoyed Emma Stone just because I I always just appreciate anything she's in. Um, let, let's talk about that because like, they were shot oh, up. Sure. Usher sure. to me, I mean, because he was, I got a donkey roll. <laughs> like, I, that was my dream. And well, he was just, well, the cool thing so, is, like, Usher, he's known for a lot of dance music right. videos and whatnot. He's a big dancer, and a lot of them blow up because of dance moves and right. stuff. Also, so. he is part of the management team for Bieber, so that was interesting. Yeah. Like, he's on, mm-hmm. I think he's record label. It's like or, the one who discovered Bieber. Yeah, so. exactly. Like, signed Bieber early in his career, so it's interesting to have him in it. So they were all in on the fun of this. Yeah. It's not mm-hmm. like they were attacking. I, it would have been yeah. fun to have Bieber there. <laughs> like a cameo from Bieber? Yeah, just you know, I because that would have been the the staple of it. I don't know if he was asked. I don't know if, uh, yeah, whatever. But it, but that would have kind of just proven at least a little bit something that he is self-aware enough to yeah. have laughter about his own self. Has there been any comment from him at all about this movie, or does he even know it exists? Right now, I think so. he's still punched out from the Cleveland game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And TMZ covered that, which was, you know, when I saw that, I think I was coming out of this movie and literally saw that coverage and was like, oh, it's really full circle. It's a really interesting. I'm proud to say that I have no idea what you're talking about. He apparently was at the Cleveland um, uh, Warriors Warriors game and uh, he was in Cleveland supporting the Warriors and I guess he got beat up. That's, oh, well, that's pretty much it. You're in hostile territory, so that was on him. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, no one should get beat up for supporting yeah, a team, yeah. home or away. Yeah. Uh, you know, root for your team and boo the other, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know. Um, oh, I, going back to the Animal Levine thing, I wanted to go back to that because, um, obviously, we talked about Universal, um, but, but that was a very big tie-in with The Voice. Yes. Um, and, in fact, you had notes about it. You had notes about it. You might have known. So I want to talk about that scene in particular, um, the way it was uh, utilized and Adam was utilized, in fact. 
Yeah, I mean, I just thought, again, the hologram, To I wasn't sure why he didn't just, like, come out and be Adam Levine on stage. I was a little unclear on the hologram, but yes, they're absolutely 100% a tie-in to the voice, and they wanted that in there, and almost to the point where I wondered if they added it in. Like, if, oh, yeah. Maybe, but, the, I mean, the song, to me, the song was funny, hilarious, right? Mm-hmm. And I think... As as funny as it could have been just to have Adam Levine, mm-hmm. again, because of the overuse of holograms nowadays, I think mm-hmm. that's funny, and especially because he is still alive. Yeah. And, <laughs> but, but ultimately, the joke, you, you could have never had Adam Levine twerking on Adam Levine unless it was hologram. True. Right. That's true. I mean, I didn't need to see that because I don't like Adam Levine. But I think it was but also... that's why it's because funny. That's why it's funny. I know. That's why it's funny. But there was the line like, Adam Levine's hologram so expensive. And it already establishes the fact with the audience that he... That Connor loves spending money on the most trivial shit. <laughs> also, what I loved is later in the movie, they were like, well, all rock stars marry supermodels. And then you have Adam Levine, who, of course, is married to a supermodel. So I felt like, again, it's like that self-awareness. And that was something that I appreciated. Yeah, it's and, just another gimmick and, on and, stage. And, and to be fair, too, the production... Um, you know, in order to, because in a sense, too, this is a concert film. <laughs> so the production to get an idea of the size scope, they they went to a Maroon Five concert uh, at the LA Forum of all, <laughs> or the Coliseum of all places. Um, so you know, I, I think it shows. Like, I'm not the biggest Adam Levine Maroon Five fan, but um, he has a sense of humor about himself. Definitely is. Yeah. <laughs> now, I you know it's it, and I don't watch The Voice, but. It at least shows that that is a that, that is a fine sense of humor. And again, this whole hologram thing comes out of Coachella when they did what was it, Tupac? Tupac. Um, what four or five years ago? Uh, so, and, and this is becoming a more common type of thing that's happening within pop music. And, and you know, so, to poke fun at this at this time, I think is, is spot on. By the way, uh, was it in Begin Again that uh, Adam Levine is also in? Yeah, which yes. I thought he did yes, a great job of being self-aware and yeah. being being a mu- he musician. Was dick too in that much one. in that movie. So, but yes, agreed. Thanks. I thought it worked, Marissa. <laughs> despite <laughs> I your really disdain. don't like Adam Levine. I took the time and effort to actually edit Levine, Adam Levine, out of our music intro <laughs> for oh, the show. Sh- I did. That's just saying. So. All right. Well, I would never have Adam Levine over for dinner. <laughs> Trust me, I won't. Um, let's see. Where was I going before we we derailed? Um, oh, Sorry. I was going to the uh, to the girlfriend, right? Um, I, emo. I'm not Imogene Poots. That's it from, yeah. uh, from that Poots. awkward moment. Yes. Yeah. Um, I thought I thought she played it so well, especially with the. <laughs> I love when, whenever comedy wise, that someone sets up like a, a premise yes. that's going to a question, and you think they're going to answer that question, yep. <laughs> but they don't. And the whole thing of like, wait, do you love him because you just want to be on magazines, or do you actually look? Where are we at with this? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> uh, I, I thought brilliant, and obviously that came into full fruition with the wolves and seal and the whole proposal live on E. 
Well, I mean, you see that now where somebody's like in a new relationship or they got engaged and it's like, well, they're going to be on this magazine, that this show has the exclusive, that like it's all like a media package all week about, then they're like, then it's like the first live interview on the Today Show. And so, I mean, it's like, this is 100% what that was making fun of. Um, and like, it's kind of the way the media circus works, but it's it was definitely well done especially with those wolves just it, it, they took it to a whole nother level <laughs> and i, they're, they're I like how dire wolves yeah. Yeah. Like, it would have been funny had they had game of thrones cast mm. holding the wolves back they were well reviewed on yelp <laughs> <laughs> who does that oh my god so, yeah. so many uh, so many great things um plot wise i mean again very very simple plot to kind of go sure. along with, right? I mean, is there any particular um, scenes that stood out to you that you guys want to discuss um, before we get into a couple of Easter eggs? And then overall, for me, it's just going to be talking about the music. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I did like the the concert where it started to really just all go downhill and everyone was like <laughs> leaving and, and they were mad things were going wrong. And oh, yeah, when his th- magic trick failed. Yeah, when the all, every single... <laughs> You know, gimmick failed, and then you, you you see that caused tension, you know, and to create the rift between him and his coworkers and everybody. Um, I I kind of felt that was in a way real. Like I, I felt that was kind of realistic. Yeah. Like when things go wrong during live performances, you always blame the next person. Right. So um, that was fun to watch because just of what they were arguing about, because yeah. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Yeah, I liked that, and I also liked that they had this guy who left the entertainment industry and had the farm, and then, like, I thought that that actually was an interesting way of showing that there's, like, life outside of this, like, celebrity-obsessed universe, and that there are people on a farm who have, like, a happy life, and I, I liked the balance. Did in, he have a happy, happy life, though? No. I don't think he had a happy life. life. I don't yeah, know. A bitter life. But, but the fun part was... But <laughs> his, his wood carvings are great. Yeah, this is my pop award. This is my poppy. Oh, yeah, poppy. yeah, I mean, it was a little bitter. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. But, but he was self enough self-aware enough that he he knew that it sucked but the only thing that he got out of it was just acres and acres of weed yeah. right. <laughs> you know and so that that's what made it okay twist at the very end it's like hey look this is what i do and he happened to be in denver colorado so you know i found that to be yeah that all was places. that was a great that was a nice twist for me i did not see that coming at all um for me i think some that concert with things go awry but again, I, you know, I, I apologize. I'm, refer- I'm referencing Spinal Tap a lot because, as much as our industry has, as much as that industry has changed, there are still some things that stay the same. One of the funniest parts and gags in Spinal Tap is where one of the the the, the, the pod yeah. that the guitarist is supposed to come out of for his guitar solo that never opens up, and here we have the electronic music cone-shaped head thing that has a light stronger than the one at the the hotel in Vegas and (laughs) how he falls, how he blinds everybody in the audience and he falls down. That's hysterical to me. That was great. It's it's, it's like, but that is our, that's pop music today, putting on those silly masks and, uh, you know, he he had a sound that it was the loudest sound. It sounded like uh, an invasion from Independence Day right. or Cloverfield <laughs> for no reason other than it was just really loud. 
that. The, you know, and I, I love the uh, the whole idea, right? Because everyone always everyone tries to always have a reason as to why something's going to happen or predict trends and things like that. And so the whole notion came about EDM music is really hitting with the kids. So we're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna make this a little bit more yeah. like that. Yeah. And, you know, and it's something that we've kind of talked about, like when, when it just comes out of the idea of that it's soulless. Uh, and, you know, we talk about it a lot with movies like, OK, you can tell whether or not a movie has been made because there was a passion behind it or it just got made because it's going to make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, you know, that's that this is the music version of it. Yeah, I think also with that, you had an opening act who came in, and he was suddenly so jealous of his opening act. And you can imagine that happening, because a lot of times these opening acts, I think of, uh, I think it was One Direction and Five Seconds of Summer, and uh, Five Seconds of Summer definitely had, like, big hits that summer, and they were starting to, like, amass a fan (laughs) group that I don't think matched One Direction, but certainly there was like attention on them so you can imagine those types of things i'm not saying those specific two groups i know but like it also (laughs) happened with taylor swift i mean she the the guys that she was touring with you know all great country artists and whatnot in and of themselves on their own right but like she was becoming bigger than them and they were like selling out their concerts just for her yeah yeah so i was like i for that i thought was totally believable as well Mm -hmm. but i the funny thing was his you know his opener he was just so strung out crazy like how is he this (laughs) big yeah, I, you, I was laughing when you said five seconds to summer because all I could think about was, yeah, well, it only takes 30 seconds to go to Mars. Yeah. <laughs> <You> know, that, <laughs> like, that's great. Yeah. I love that. I love that. You know, um, yeah, good stuff. Absolutely. Um, so let's let's talk about um, the music, right? Let's let's spend a little bit of time on there. And, you know, uh, production wise, as things get inserted, uh, just just kind of throw them in as you will. Uh, because, again, the core of it, and one of the things that I was, I don't know, slightly sad to know about was the fact that a lot of these, a lot of this music kind of got out into the, the world ahead of, ahead of the movie, um, in various means and various forms, and it, it kind of let me down because I wanted it to be just a surprise in the movie, and then, and then people can go to it, but to have it out there as a draw to the movie, it, it ruins the joke. I mean, I, I get that too, but you times are different people want to ingest things so much faster now it's like mm-hmm. that's why there's binge watching that's why beyonce released a whole album all at once you know people just want things now and faster that'll make them but if you're doing- ideally go to where they want it eventually end up but but the but the fact that if you're doing um if you're doing an album that's one thing but if you're trying to sell this movie like i, I do think they hurt themselves in some way uh, of this movie because they put out too much I think a few probably should have been released, like, uh, just to get people interested in, like, this is, you know, the lone... I feel like also it wasn't promoted enough as the Lonely Island movie. Like, people know Lonely Island, and this felt like you knew Andy, but I'm not sure that people identified... Yeah, I thought it was an Andy Samberg movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that that was probably a mistake. But to go back to the music, yeah, I think maybe one or two songs, like have it be a single from the movie, but not have it... I I think I heard most of the album before I went to this movie. Yeah, and you know, it's funny that you say that too, because um, Samberg was on Howard Stern like almost two weeks prior to this movie opening up, and they were talking about the album... I didn't. I thought the movie was opening up that week, and I was like, "Where the hell's this movie?" And it didn't get 
like releasing that album, which is a parody album in and of itself, it I don't know. I it would have behooved marketing to release a video from Popstar. Like this is a video, this is what you're gonna see in Popstar, and it's funny in its own right, but just don't give me the I agree with you. They shouldn't have given them they shouldn't have put out the entire thing for people to see because then they're gonna think, well, that's the movie. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna I've got too much to put out. And then you release the album in conjunction with the movie. You release it on that opening day. And then you have, you know, there's more of a synergy. I'm not sure how much Universal really put into the marketing of this movie. Uh, It it was hard to find a lot of marketing. Well, I I thought they kind of let the boys handle that on their own. Right? I mean, they've they've literally got over 200 million subscribers on YouTube. uh, Which, again... You would think that that would be a draw, but it's it, it's very hard to translate an online audience and make them go outside of their undies to the actual movie. <laughs> uh, you're right. I mean, it, it, it's further proof that social media, as far as a tracking device, you need other components to fill that up. And you just cannot rely just on that because there is an effort to go to the movies other than just to watch something on YouTube. And if they're not fully aware, and the marketing's not really pushing, say, saying that this is a an hysterical satire or something like that, again, I barely. I'm in Los Angeles, so I expect to see more than if I were in Missouri, so to speak. But you know, well, let me ask you. You know, one of the one of the things, right? So, equal rights. Marissa loves pink. Um, <laughs> you know, very funny movie making fun of a Mac. Uh, uh, Macklemore. Macklemore there. And also, by the way, uh, they, they made fun of Ryan Lewis always being the guy in the background. But um, that, if you just kind of heard it for the first time without the context of the movie, it's a funny song, but you're left wondering, like, wait, what are we actually ma- – is this supposed to be taken seriously? And in the context of the movie, what I love is the fact that everyone hates that song, you know? Um, and that – that's what I like about it is, is is the juxtaposition. It fits into a greater piece, whereas if you just hear the song, you're you could be taken aback. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think it's also just uh, because you know we are we do have now equal rights throughout the country. I, I think it's very timely in that sense too. But I it's it's just funny individually because I didn't hear the song before I went to go see this see it in theaters and when but. I watched it I laughed the most out of this song out of, oh, compared to stuff. everything else yeah the, um, at the MTV Movie Awards they did a live performance from Popstar and I'm trying to remember what which song it was but definitely it, wasn't Bin Laden no it wasn't <laughs> I, I, I think it may have been I'm So Humble I'm, I'm not sure but um, it was interesting because like at the time I kind of was like, what is this? Like I knew it was Lonely Island, but it didn't read to me as anything. It, I, I didn't really have an interest. And then what made me excited about this movie was the trailer. So I think if you're going to create a music video, it has to be something that shows like him partying in his mansion and then it like falling apart. Some song like I'm So Humble where you can kind of get both ends of the story. Because the plot, is, as you mentioned, is not the selling point of this. It's everything, no. the cameos, the music, all of that. Like, mm. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and but here I will give him credit because oftentimes this happens in a lot of comedies and we've kind of talked about it is yeah, the first third of the movie can be the funniest thing you've ever seen in your life, but due to the fact that you have to have an emotional core, um the comedy starts to die out in you know somewhat in the second of the third and then by the the third act entirely 
it's almost just right. playing on heart versus any comedy. And what, what what I will applaud these guys for, they had the heart, but they also had the comedy. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Up until the very, very end, yeah. which is hard to pull off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so let's, let's talk. We, we talked a little bit about uh, I'm So Humble, but I think you know that, that, that was used heavily in marketing um, just because it, it does, as Stephanie mentioned, set up you know that weight of it like who this guy is so well um not humble not which humble. is the the fun ironic part of it they did also promote it on the voice where they, yeah. they performed i'm so humble as well it had it's very catchy mm-hmm. i'd have to say it's uh, one of my favorite ones to listen to even though adam levine's in it <laughs> but it's a very catchy song that, and it was also heavily featured in the trailer. So, like from that, it even got me to want to watch this movie. Well, as we're talking about all this, you think like they did do a fair amount of press for it. It's not like Andy was like, "Oh, whatever, just release it; it'll do fine." Like l- l- laying on, like, "Oh, we have YouTube subscribers." Like they tried to promote it, and it's just interesting that it somehow didn't translate into people walking into theaters. Yeah. Um. This one, I, I'd have to re-listen, but um, Hot New Single, um, that's also in the movie. What did you guys think of that song? I'm trying to remember. I think it, it was just like a spoken, it wasn't a spoken word thing. It, it's yeah. dialogue, I believe. It's not. I, um, I'm trying to find heavily the, the catchphrase verse song, because I thought <laughs> that, um, that notion of a catchphrase verse was to me just genius. And whoever right. thought of it. Well, I mean, everybody's been doing it recently, like Nick Jonas, Taylor Swift. If you look at the artists who are at the top of the Billboard charts, those, those artists are doing catchphrase songs. For Give a, me an example, because I don't, I don't really well, listen to Well, Shake It Nick Off jo- is, it would be a prime example of that. That's a catchphrase verse? I, I That's just a catchphrase, but not a catchphrase verse. Well, he did like 18 verses altogether, right. but I think what they're talking about is Done properly, I think it is just that one. Well, I mean, there in order like for their memorable two, one lines, yeah, that can yeah, be. and that that are that are utilized and said about four hundred times in the one song to mm-hmm. pump it through, and that's the song that that's what people come away with. What was that? What was the? Uh, what was that hot movie? What was that hot song about two summers ago? Uh, by uh, well, what's the, the work song? I think work. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, well, that one just—that's the more Rihanna. recent one. It literally just says work, 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 yeah. work, so, work, work. So yeah, and you have work Rihanna, and then you, I think there's also work from Fifth Harmony. So this summer you have two songs that are harping on this work. And they're not even telling you to go to work. They're telling you to have sex and go fuck. Um, yeah, and then like close with Nick Jonas. Like there's so many that. Are just you hear that the same word over and over again, but it doesn't work when you put eighteen of those phrases into the same song. And I think that's the lesson Connor learned. Yeah, but apparently it worked for him because they were the that was the, one of the biggest arguments and why he broke up with his you know he didn't have the friendship anymore with his best friend because they were arguing who made up the catchphrase. Um, absolutely. Uh, speak, I, kind of jumping real fast ahead. Uh, things in my Jeep, right? Um, we'll go back to a few of these. I like that one because, um, it, you know, I, I love the button at the end of like, I just didn't get it because I, I didn't have these things in my Jeep. Right. Couldn't relate. Right. So it's like, the song is actually good and catchy. Mm-hmm. It's just the items that he picked. 
Well, I feel like every pop artist comes out whenever they're promoting a new album and says, oh, I I made it so relatable to our fans. Like, that's always the, like, every interview. It's like, I'm. it's so relatable. And so this was like, well, I just didn't get it. Like, <laughs> why would I do that? If it, there wasn't, in, it's not the things in my Jeep. Yeah. I, I like the mechanics of a song because it does draw you in. And it could be, and it was very fast-paced, and you're like, oh, these are pretty cool. And you're like, right. random lyrics thrown together but sound cool. And then how it ended, these are the things in my Jeep. We're like, what? <laughs> and that's a song. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Uh, we turn up the beef featuring Emma Stone. Um, I forget who 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 earlier said that they liked the song. I I mean I just liked the cameo from Emma Stone. I I think the song was just super random and fun and and, and fit in with kind of the way that the beginning those first four songs kind of went. God. Um, Finest Girl, the Bin Laden song, by far <laughs> my favorite song. Um, it's very catchy. It's something that you shouldn't sing anywhere, but I find myself <laughs> wanting to sing. Yeah, all, you were singing it this whole week. Yeah. Let's be real. And uh, you know what? This is the type of girl that one can hope for in life. Yeah. <laughs> or a guy, if you're a girl. Or a guy, if you're a guy. No judgment here. Equal rights here. Yeah. <laughs> um. Any Anything that you guys want to say about this song? I'm surprised they we actually got pretty much a full performance of this song. Yeah. So yeah. This was one of the full songs we got to hear. And it's so uh, it, it it's so crude and to have that humor go on for a long time in a film, I was like, wow, they're getting away with this. Yeah, I mean, I think again what it, it just speaks again to the pop music where just make it catchy and people like are we going to listen how are we going to listen to the words or we're just dancing. I loved it because it was so crude. It made so much like when you listen to a lot of like you like just terrorize said it, that like, pussy. Work, yeah, <laughs> like you were just saying work, work, work. It's like when you listen to a lot of pop music today and the lyrics, a lot of them are about this, except they're just not saying that. They're not saying fuck Ben Laden, you know. But it's all in whether it's heavy innuendo. Like that's why that that's that's music. That's pop music. Well, it's so many. Yeah, you're right. It's that, and if you actually listen to the lyrics of many pop songs, they can be crude or offensive. If if you're actually really listening to it, it's just people don't spend the time. They're just like they're hooked on the catchphrase. Robin Thicke (laughs) had a video with (laughs) naked women on it. Mm-hmm. Like right? I mean, yeah. am I like that? That and, played for an entire summer. Yeah. And then entire ad nauseum, oh blurred lines. There's another catchphrase oh. song, and he had naked women in his. That was the catch. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, again, it, just, pop music is made to be made fun of. In this sense, and some but people are saying that this is like shooting fish in a barrel because of that fact. But nobody's done that though. Mm-hmm. Nobody's brought it to light, and or people just still don't get the joke. Well, I think the amazing thing is it's just that how gullible, or I shouldn't say gullible, but just like how receptive people are to this type of music. That we like it. We we find that interest in this music that we keep pumping this kind of music out. It's also Because it, it's such a demand. It's super mainstream. You, everywhere you go, the, these songs are played all the time. And I don't yeah. even listen to this music. Yeah. But I'm able to reference a Robin Thicke song that he got sued for and pretty much his career is over now. But in any case. <laughs> you know, so... Enough. 
The other song that I found uh, amazing was uh, the original Basic Bitch, Mona Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> because it's still, you know, it's like, how many times does she get referenced, you know, and, and parodied? So, well, not in a song. I don't know many people that are singing about Mona Lisa, but, like, it's such a, such an iconic painting that, that just gets so overused. <laughs> So I could see someone being a little bit disappointed with it. And the pyramids, right? It just gives you a different perspective. It's just dirty rocks. <laughs> <laughs> so it's yeah. like, yeah, you know, like, it's a different perspective on it. But I again, like I felt like that was definitely a play on Bieber because he's definitely had issues. I think it, he was, wasn't he at a pyramid? I'm trying to remember the news story. But it Probably. like he's been all over the world and had these issues with, like, the passport and being disrespectful at different historical locations. I don't remember all of them right now, but, and it was definitely like the pyramids. That's what it felt like. Like he was just like, Oh, whatever. Cause there's so much history with all. Didn't well, he climb they, up one just to slide down it? Yeah. 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 So, well, they did up. make that fun yeah. reference in this movie that he took a dump in the Anne Frank house. Historical places not being used it, with reverence. Yeah. And, and he made reference to Ace Ventura pet detective. Do not go in there. <laughs> it's Ventura. <laughs> like that's Argentina. Great. Oh, there, you go. there we go. And from Argentina. Thank you, Zach. Yeah. yeah poor Beaver. Yeah, it's rough. Mm-hmm. Do you feel bad for him? No. no. There's nothing poor about him. Wow. His soul. Yeah. His soul. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I don't know. R or aren't is the name of that one. I can't think of which one that, that was. I don't remember that Oh, but there was the whole joke that apparently during, um, when they were actually filming, it was kind of an improv between Tim Meadows, his his manager, and he, he had the news, like, I have something that's good news, or it's like, you're going to love, or you are, or you aren't going to love. And he's like, are? Art. Art. <laughs> you know, it, I, I think that that was the joke off of this. Can we talk a little bit about Tim Meadows? Yeah. By the way, I, I thought he was brilliant in this movie. I mean, he's had this a bit of a renaissance. I'm a huge fan of the Goldbergs, which he plays a supporting character on it, and he's just fantastic. So watching him in this movie, you know, he never really got his fair his his due, so to speak, from say, you know, he's funny in Saturday Night Live, but he's he just never thought he got his fair share he was always overshadowed by bigger people who became bigger talent than he is but what a funny guy and what a great turn that he has in tony. this movie tony 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 they kicked him out he was he just wanted to be movie. different yep and just the so, fact that he slapped um hunter the hungry or hungry the hungry hunter the hungry <laughs> That's it. No, that, that was a great moment. Though. It was. It was really funny. Did you see that? I don't know where that came from. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, speaking of Hunter the Hungry, Hunter the Hungry is gone eat. <laughs> I think that that's when uh, when they're in like the uh, eight mile type right. concert hall. <laughs> uh, and I love the introduction of Hunter the Hungry. He was just so like, and. Because it always starts off that way of like, dude, you're my idol. You're my idol. But there's, there's just the hint of alternative motives. Like, mm-hmm. wait, are you fucking with me? Or are you actually for real? Right. Yeah. And I, yeah, I liked how they established him. Like, he he's crazy. Like, he, I didn't see him roll a joint. I saw him eat one. You know, like, he's already telling the audience he's already over the top. And then when we actually meet him, it's like, no, he is crazy. Yeah. He has yeah. crazy eyes. He's just crazy. 
Absolutely. Funny. Funny. Um, and out of that came Dos Banditos. Dos Banditos. I, I like that song. That was, a, that was a fun, like... The stage show for Dos Banditos was equally as funny as the song. That's the other thing, too. When you, when you put a lot of these songs that were... It was as fun to watch them be performed. You know, like, when we talk about the Adam Levine hologram, if we just heard that music, it's funny, but not as funny as what I'm watching happen on stage. Yeah. There's such a blow-up of, and such a parody of what takes place at a pop sh- show. So to watch these songs be performed in the way that they dance, I found it, like, the song alone just doesn't do it justice. No. Yeah, and I think it was also the, the fact that he was making fun of the language. Like, hey, yes. they pronounce S differently than yes. we do, so let's make a whole song pe- oh, like that. Yeah. And, and it's just so funny, because it's a spot, a, a spot, you a know spot, what I mean? Like, it doesn't yeah. go that <laughs> far. No. It's like a lisp. Fine, yeah. A speech impediment. <laughs> like, no. Yeah. You're making fun of a whole language right, yep. right now. <laughs> Maybe that's why it didn't do so well in Spain. <laughs> oh, man. Um, let's see. Ashley Wednesday, the Seal song. That was uh, that was the E live wedding proposal. Coming awry. That was uh, that was good, and and, and I, I liked it because obviously it's the singing that triggered like the wolves themselves. It's not that they were a bad idea; it's just the fact that they were triggered by the singing. By the singing. <laughs> <laughs> so poor poor guys. Um, let's see. Um, then we had a couple. I love well, Incredible Thoughts. That to me. Now, <laughs> some people's criticism is the the fact that Incredible Thoughts doesn't live up to what the what you know if you, the ending song should be like the greatest bit, right? It should live up to and be the be the biggest well, of, of them yeah. all. And some people think that Incredible Thoughts wasn't. I disagree. Well, I think typically in these concert movies, that's the way it works. Is the first hour is like the story leading up to Madison Square Garden and then you get to Bieber performing at Madison Square Garden and and then it's like this epic performance and obviously that wouldn't work in a parody but yeah you want I think I wanted it to be a little larger but I didn't mind it I like didn't walk away being like oh I'm disappointed that wasn't the point for me like yeah yeah I wasn't disappointed at all because I think the thing that sold it for me was Michael Bolton (laughs) and oh my god and I think the great thing about like if you actually pay attention to the lyrics again they make no sense but it's a catchphrase verse with a sensibility to the incredible thoughts a little bit but like if you have a big name such as michael bolton he could be saying anything reading the dictionary to you and you think it's amazing and i think that's what made the song even funny because it's just michael bolton singing to you and i was sold (laughs) i was like yes i'm being serenaded by michael bolton so michael bolton adam levine Yes, we like Adam Levine's not even on my list. He's somewhere over on the couch. Again, though, it was a nice, it was a great reveal. It didn't see it coming at all. No, it was yeah. there. I mean, yeah. it was it was hysterical. It automatically made the song better. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing that would have been funnier is if it might have been like Hasselhoff. Oh my god! <laughs> that would too much a parody, <laughs> a parody within a parody. Yeah, <laughs> would have nah. been a paradox. You know, I don't think it would have worked the same. Um, and then, you know, the donkey roll in terms of the style boys, right? <laughs> yeah. that, so 90s. Amazing. There's a great instructional video. I'm going to get the entire staff to learn this. <laughs> it's easy. It's just the I'll little the hand, and then the and then you put the hands. Are up. you gonna like try the body to make roll. it a whole thing and just like put up YouTube videos every day on Aftermath? Get the body yeah, roll too. 
But it reminds me of like you, you know, uh, sixty nine boys, you know, with the Tootsie Roll and stuff like that. So yeah. it, it was very like nineties songs. Or like Bye Bye Bye, even with In Sync. Like mm. it's just those like one move and everybody's doing it over. Well, and it. The <laughs> move. it was the like Bye Bye Bye. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. All right. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Flew over my head. <laughs> No, um, I feel like they all had that. Like, yeah, it was yeah. a little like, yeah, bye, bye, bye. Yeah. Okay. Okay. No, I believe you. I don't think. I, you know, I, I don't think you're a liar. Yeah. Um, well, thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> Just wanted to know because I didn't. Um, any anything else uh, that you guys want to talk about the song well, before we move it, into the well, numbers? I was before even the numbers though. I mean, literally, we we, we talk about production and, and whatnot. This was solely filmed uh, basically here in Southern California. Whether they're using uh, Zimberg's house, the forum they used, the, the wedding scene was filmed at Saddleback Ranch on uh, Mulholland uh, Highway in in Malibu. It's a, a winery that also hosts many weddings uh, at that location. Uh, they have exotic animals on the ground. Um, it was Not a gorgeous wolves. location, but, no. but then the randomness of a giraffe in the background just fit in with the ridiculousness of it all. It's the production designer, uh, uh, Billington, uh, I forget his first name, it, and, but when you see that scene, the scene appears more like a wedding scene, but when you have a complete idiot with far too much money and very little taste who wants to propose to his girlfriend, it makes more sense to design it as a celebrity wedding. <laughs> and it's great that... When you have a complete idiot with too much money, like this is what you get. And the what, what was great about the seal performances again, it's like, how do you think I got these scars on my face the first time? It was fight. I know how to fight wolves. <laughs> how do you think? And then he gets so pissed off he's suing because he lost an eye. <laughs> you know that to me makes that very funny. I liked how they use these locations like the forum. Um, the, you know, yeah. given so many music personalities live in Calabasas, California. Uh, yeah, you know, it's really funny uh, to that. When I was watching this movie, I was literally thinking, hey, this looks like a house that you would find in Calabasas. Calabasas. And I was just in Calabasas yeah. over the weekend. <laughs> and that literally went through my head watching this. I was like, they could be in Calabasas right now. And then yeah. sure enough, they were. They were in Calabasas. <laughs> That's where his house was. Yeah. So um, that stuff is very, very funny. Sophie Durakoff, the movie's costume designer, um, she did music videos. So, again, everything looked true to form. Like, there was nothing that, yes, if this were not a parody and this were a real group, you'd go, oh, yeah, okay. You'd buy it, no. uh, I think. So, there was, again, this is where this movie was very, very spot on. Absolutely. So, so. I agree. Unfortunately, what uh, people just didn't agree um, did not do so well. Did not do so well. Uh, it, it, it was expected to gross around seven million. Um, didn't even manage that. It grossed four point six million. Yeah. Wow. And I'm very upset by this. I'm very upset. It's very low. Two thousand three hundred eleven locations. That's a crap ton still. Not yeah, as much as um, Turtles, but... No, it, it's, you know, in today, yeah, it's a half of Turtles, so to speak. Um, it was uh, 75% of the total gross of box office. Um, you know, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, when you when you have a movie that costs $20 million plus 2021, 
I, again, I don't know how much money Universal really put in to market this movie. Um, as far as trailering television, I didn't see many television spots f- for I, this I movie. I always saw it in trailers. In the yeah, theaters. and I barely even, I don't, I can't even recall what movie I would have seen this trailer on. Um, I saw the poster. I but, saw teasers on YouTube a lot. Yeah. And again, but but you're going after an audience on YouTube, and I just I don't yeah, think that went, was the right went, strategy necessarily. They went very cheap, almost as if they didn't know what they had, or, or whether or not they, you know, maybe they were just thinking of they have other movies coming out this summer. I don't know. It didn't see up here as if Universal gave the movie the TLC that... It, had they just pushed it a little more, it might have reached that $7 million they had hoped to get. But, you know, you and I were talking about this a little bit earlier on Rotten Tomatoes, though. It gets like a 77% or a 76%, mm-hmm. which is solid, which is good. It bad. means people like it. However, Cinema Score, I think it was a B. Yeah. So, I, which I don't, I don't understand. You know, why, why a B? Like, what, what were people looking for? Think about... Think about who pop music is are they offended for. the younger well, demographic but, but they're not yeah. going to see pop star I, again whether it's on their ra- I'm not even entirely sure if it's on their radar like when you look at the demographic like Taylor Swift's audience uh, um I you think know, it is on their radar. Like it, it, individually, look up all these songs on YouTube. They have millions upon millions of of listens. But is views. that because of a college crowd? Um, you know, I, I just don't think you're getting teenage girls. Number one, it's a very heavy rated R movie. Teenage girls who like pop star. I don't think it's on their radar. The college crowd. Yes, that's why you're getting so much YouTube yeah. hit. But they didn't even go out to see this movie. Well, college is over. I so was going to say, group. yeah, that's an awkward time. If you're aiming for college students, this is not the time of year you would want to have this movie come out because they're all separating from campus and, like, whatever, doing their own things. It's summer. So it's awkward. Like, yeah. if, that, that, if that's what you're aiming for, that's probably not ideal. And, and again, I got a question. It's release date. When you have a movie that's going up against... Tent poles, like, you know, you had Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles open up. You had uh, X-Men still in the marketplace. You have big summer movies that are still playing out. You know, there's a reason why this movie came in at number eight. If you release this, like, to your point, too, if you release this more in an October-ish, when when college is back in in session, uh, maybe not put it in the thick of a a summer crowd. Or maybe even March when, you know, Coachella is around, you know? Yeah. And you still have the college audience for that during that time. Yeah. Yeah. It just felt like, yeah, if you're aiming, because I agree with you, a hard R, like, uh, teenage girls are probably not going to. That's, but but, but yeah. even if it were PG thirteen, I'm still not thinking that teenage girls are going to see satire on pop music. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree with you there. I I think again this would have moved up their timeline. But had they done it anywhere between January and March, like that was we were struggling for movie <laughs> suggestions during that time. Yeah. This could have done right. just well. Yeah. It could have, yeah. yeah. you know. And with the right around again, with the right amount of TLC, you know, I didn't even I don't even know if there was a push on Saturday Night Live 
at all for this. Did Lauren, Lauren Michaels, I didn't see his name in the credits at all. Did he even get a thank you for this? Because usually when his stars go off to make a movie, he has his hand in that cookie jar one way, shape, or form. But I didn't see... I yeah. didn't look into it. Our engineer just <clears throat> so. pointed out that Finest Girl debuted on Saturday Night Live. I know that they definitely supported the movie. I don't mm-hmm. know how involved uh, production-wise they were. Yeah, and the SNL performance was early in May. So if you think about it, they did promotion like a month ago, but by a month's time, pe- this movie isn't on people's minds anymore. Yeah. That's and a long time. Were they promoting the album or the movie? That's the other thing, too, where I agree with you. Like, I think they put out so much. They put out this album to promote the movie, and that rarely ever works. Like, you put the movie out to promote the album. Mm. Like, get, get, get people to laugh at the movie, then they're going to go and buy the album more of a comedy album, but they'll laugh at the music afterwards. And let the music be a hit on itself. Don't push, don't push the music to be a hit, and then release your movie. Release your movie and have it born from there. I was also talking to a publicist friend of mine, and she was saying that she thought that this movie could benefit from um, Andy going out being the character, doing a few interviews as... Connor. Like, like, like a la Borat. Yeah, exactly. Like, show up on Access Hollywood as Connor and, and do it, because that would make people excited about it. Yeah, I mean, Ben Stiller did that for Derek Zoolander sure. yeah. so many times. So, yeah, yeah, I think that would help. Mm-hmm. So, there you have it. Um, well, you know, unfortunately, I, you know, some people are saying it'll pick up in the home market. I don't know how much that can ultimately bring, but I do think that... I think much like with this is Spinal Tap, it could have... Part of the thing is, like, th- th- there's something to being able to watch it. Like, you know, I don't know. Maybe it could have benefited from a day and date, you know? I, but Because like, it, there is a rewatchability factor to this. And right now, I do want to rewatch it. But the fact that the only way I can do it is to go and see it in a movie. And I don't have the luxury of rewinding, speeding up, going to whatever I want. I, I, I don't know. Well, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that day and date thing. Look, I'm not a, if this were a day and date movie, I probably wouldn't be on this panel. I'm a very much, you know, theater, you know, see this at the, at a, you know, see this at a movie theater. And um, not too, too long ago, Zamberg, and, uh, I'm not sure if it was the same crew, but they did a, a tennis mockumentary on HBO, which was hysterical. Mm, yes. And when I heard about Popstar coming out, now... I mean, it was an HBO show. I believe it was about half hour, 45 minutes long. Uh, very funny. Very well done. You know, it was as satirical as this. The jokes pretty much hit. And when I had heard about this, I was like wondering, well, why is this? Like, I thought this would have gone like the H. This could have gone the HBO route. But once I saw it in the theater, I was like, oh, my God, this movie is much funnier. They put more time and attention into detail for the music. The production design, this it looked like a movie to me. Yeah. Um, and the comedy was that very hard R comedy. Uh, I appreciated it very much. Like, yes, this is a cinematic, this is a theatrical experience. And if it hits, comedies are some of the best movies to see with a big crowd. I, I, when I saw it, though, I was a crowd of two. And I was sitting in the middle of the theater, and somebody was sitting right up front. I'm sure they didn't appreciate you in that theater. <laughs> they didn't appreciate my laughing. I'm sure I, they could have been asleep for all I know. But I was laughing. You know, I, I wish there were more people because comedy is so infectious. And with the right audience, it just makes you laugh harder. And it's such a great experience. So. I, th- I think, uh, I, I forget where I heard it, but I think the magic number is at least 15. You shouldn't really 
I, I think 15 is like the lowest minimum you want for a comedy mm-hmm. in terms of an audience. Anyway, I don't know. I could have just made that up. So <laughs> what do I know? Um, well, that about does it for us. Um, thank you guys, as always, for joining us here on Anatomy of Movie. Let us know your, you know, uh, with this one, let us know your guys' thoughts. What was a funny scene? What was your favorite music? Uh, let us know, you know, did you know pretty much the plot line ahead of time or the music ahead of time did it ruin your enjoyment of it did it not um you know lots to discuss lot, lots of uh, questions to uh, mull over that you did guys you can... find it funny like yeah. you know did yeah. you you know were you question in on the too. joke did you find it funny that's right are you out you know going back to Stephanie's original question are you someone in this business that found it funny or are you someone outside of the business that you know got a nice view into the business and can can have a laugh at it too Um, in the meantime Dimitri well hey folks well again thanks Uh, another great panel Uh, you can please support me on twitter at dmovies1701 and you can find me on twitter and instagram at stephanie winger you can follow me on twitter at TV. This is uh, this is my theme song because I literally think I have incredible thoughts all the motherfucking time. You've already used the S word, F word, so I figured I'd just throw it in one more time. Because you're so humble. Because I'm so motherfucking oh, humble. Oh, we didn't yes, answer the right. question. What? Penis or no penis? Dick or no dick? Oh. He has no dick. He has no dick. He has no dick. It was tucked. It was tucked. I don't believe it. I'm going no to man can tuck his penis like that. Okay? That's a fact. That is a fact. Anyway, follow us here I, I at the pop. Tuck because when that happened, I was like, "Oh, I don't need to be seeing that." Oh my! The, that the other thing. you would know, Phil. You would know. <laughs> well, we just. Yes. Well, on that note, <laughs> follow the popcorn talk. Uh, follow us here at Movie Anatomy. Uh, we'll be dissecting lots of great uh, movies coming up. Whether it's Finding Dory, whether it's uh, Conjuring Two, uh, Star Trek Beyond. Uh, we just recently did, obviously, X-Men. We just did Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. And, of course, there's our entire library of over 250 movies that we've dissected thus far. And for those of you who are X-Men fans, um, on iTalk Movies, we interviewed John Ottman, not only about X-Men, but also about Nice Guys and his entire journey. Um, so, great interview there. He revealed a lot. Revealed Definitely. a lot. Great behind the scenes. If ever you have an aspiration getting into this business he, he offered a lot of insight and behind the scenes that you don't normally get yes and check out Jeffrey Crane Graham's comedy album which is the reason why I'm surprised he's not here because he literally loves Lonely Island and he he masquerades as a as a comedy musician anyway <laughs> thank you guys for joining us um, we'll see you next time on Anatomy Movie bye all and the rest of the anatomy of a movie staff. We would like to thank you for listening and subscribing to the show. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email or tweet us. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been Anatomy of a Movie.